0: Think on your feet for our fast and curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race, hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events.
1: This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. I'm Sasha
0: Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Andrew Carnegie called libraries palaces for the people. But U.S. libraries are facing an unprecedented number of challenges to what's allowed on their shelves. Earlier this week, the American Library Association released its annual list of the most targeted books of the past year. To get the details, we are speaking with ALA Executive Director Tracy Hall. She was recently named one of the 100 Most Influential People in 2023 by Time magazine. Now, Tracy, more than 2,500 books were targeted
1: across the country in 2022, what were some of last year's most targeted books? Yes, well, the American Library Association just released that information on Monday, and uh, the top three continue to be "Gender Queer," "All Boys Aren't Blue," and "The Bluest Eye" by Toni Morrison. The Bluest Eye by ton- that, that one always gets me. Yes, yes, right. it is one of the most targeted books of all time. Why are we seeing such uh, dramatic increases in requests to have books banned? Like, what do you think is behind it? If I could sum it up in two words, I would just say very bluntly power hoarding, because we know that whenever we see the repression of reading and of books, it always is a part of a political agenda. And that's what we're seeing now. What we know at the American Library Association, and having polled the American public, is that both Democrats and Republicans agree that censorship stands against our First Amendment right. But there is a small faction. And we can see the organizing tactics Uh, they've been used um, for other uh, political agendas in which they are bringing people together who um, sometimes are unawares that they're being used in this way Hmm. and sometimes saying here are Passages from 200 or 300 books. Don't you find these offensive? And if you do, you should try to ban them. You should mm. censor them. So, so leading them. Leading them, really. Really, really leading them. So what we see is that the groups that are being suppressed by these books are also being politically suppressed. And in this case, it's uh, BIPOC, Black, Indigenous, and people of color, LGBTQ communities, um, and sometimes uh, lower income income communities, rural communities, where the political uh, power is mounting. And so what we see is a lot of gatekeeping and again, a lot of power hoarding. So interesting. I know that you've also noticed
0: another startling trend, Tracy, and that's uh, 90% of the book challenges.
1: They're now demanding multiple books be removed. Absolutely. What's going on there? Right. So it's sort of this is uh, what happens in the digital era, right? So um, we know that digitization is being used for a lot of good. But in this case, there's a lot of copy and pasting. Uh, There is a lot of what we call astroturfing, sort of picking up whole groups of books. Some of these books are the greatest works of literature, right, ever written in in English. And uh, there is just Finding that one or two passages in a 300-page book and saying, don't you think this is offensive? And uh, not only doing that in one geography, but actually doing that across the country. So what we are seeing is, as you said, um, 2,500 challenges and 1,270 challenges and 2,500 titles. And that is twice what we saw the year before Mm. and twice again what we saw over a decade. So what's happening now is that this is the McCarthy era 3.0, because it's happening uh, with a fury uh, that we must arrest and we must resist. So given all that you've just described, it's it's sounding like a a more organized effort. Would you very, say very very organized? Absolutely. And we have to get organized as well. Those of us who stand for the freedom to read, we have to be organized on that grassroots level. And that's why the American Library Association actually created a campaign to support uh, the communities across the country that actually believe in the freedom to read. And that campaign is Unite Against Book Bans. And I'm asking everyone listening, if you support the right to read, if if you want to make sure that we protect the right to read and to protect to open and free libraries for a next generation, go to uniteagainstbookbans.org and find out how you can get involved.
0: Now, earlier on the program, you might have heard we talked with Illinois State Representative Ann Stava Murray. She's the sponsor of a bill that would prohibit Illinois libraries from banning books. If they do,
1: they would lose state funding, right? Do you support the bill? Well, I can tell you that, especially with the American Library Association being located, our headquarters is here in Chicago, in the state of Illinois. I am so happy to live in a state that is taking such a decisive stance against censorship.
0: Hmm. Do you want to see more
1: states enacting this kind of legislation to to safeguard libraries? What I want to make sure is that we never see happen what happened in Missouri, where rather than return banned books to shelves as a judge ordered, uh, you saw a move to defund public libraries across the state. And I want to see more states take proactive stances in support of what librarians and libraries have been doing all along, and that is protecting the right to read. Librarians are on the front line of a conversation that really is a litmus test about the strength of our democracy. Do we still believe in our bill of rights? And paramount the first one is the freedom to to read, the freedom of speech, and I think that is what we are finding ourselves having the conversation around and I definitely want to see more legislators step up and to talk about it. It strikes me to hear you talk about, you know,
0: protecting the right to read, which yeah. sounds like such a basic so Basic fundamental, things, right? Such a fundamental
1: right. Uh, did you imagine that we would be here in 2023? Never, never in the 25 years that I've been working in libraries that I ever imagined, especially because we are a country that has been defined by the notion of access to information. So I never thought that I would see it. But I'll tell you one thing that uh, heartens me is that also during National Library Week this week, the American Library Association has been fighting for a long time against the most uh Assistant book ban uh, in in the country, and that is a censorship of books and materials for people who are incarcerated and we 've been working in the last two years on revising our standards. For library services for people who are incarcerated and detained. Tell us more about that. What are what what is tr- what are they trying to ban specifically? Well, what we've seen is that with the rise of the privatization of prisons, is that there is less of a motive uh, to to pursue efforts that would reduce recidivism. And and traditionally, we saw prisons offering literacy services and robust library services, and 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 we've seen that deteriorate and almost erode. But on Tuesday, Emmanuel. Cleaver representative from Missouri. So that's why Illinois, the Midwest, is really important that we take the stances that we do. We saw the 2023 Prison Libraries Act introduced in the House of Representatives, and we're working really hard to make sure that it stands and it is ratified. But what it would do is that it would mandate library services for prisons, it would restore literacy services, uh, digital instruction, because a lot of people who are incarcerated don't have have access to the internet and don't have the information and digital literacy skills that they need, mm-hmm. um, especially when they return to uh, their communities. And finally, um, it would support career development. So we're working really hard to make sure that this is something that passes and that it is something that is counter to uh, this effort to, to restrict the right to read.
0: You know, the the bill that we were just talking about, the state bill that we were just speaking about, if it passes the Senate, state libraries will need to adopt a written policy against book banning, um, or they can adopt the American Library Association's Bill of Rights. Remind us what the Bill of Rights says.
1: Yes, well, the Bill of Rights actually appeared in 1939, and the Bill of Rights says that everyone in a community regardless of their age race background uh, has uh, the right to have access to to information has the right to have access to robust library services. And it also, and this is really key, it forbids censorship happening at the level of the library. So, in fact, I think what is happening in Illinois is that it's just re- reinforcing the basis of public librarianship and school librarianship in general, that everyone deserves the right to the materials that they need to have the kind of agency and self-determination that they desire. Mm. Uh, so, Tracy, you're the 1st after. African- African-American
0: woman to lead the ALA. Um, Besides what we've talked about, books about LGBTQ issues, uh, books that deal with uh, African-American life
1: um, and history, uh, they're frequently challenged, right? We know that. What do you make of that? Well, this is not new. This is not the first time. I mean, I could there is like a whole history lesson that is related to this question, because we have again, I'm still struck by the bluest eye. (laughs) I can't get off that one. And the color purple. purple. And um, what if I told you that in uh, the McCarthy era um, from uh, the early 40s into the mid 50s, what if I told you that books like Civil Disobedience by Thoreau uh, was banned because it had become a primer for the early civil rights? rights movement. And let's remember that before protesters went to the uh, lunch counters, uh, they were uh, they were really standing up against segregated library services. And so you see people like Representative John Lewis, may he rest in peace, um, one of the first sit-ins, one of his first moments in terms of activism was actually protesting segregated library conditions at Troy Library in, in Alabama. Mm-hmm. And so I think that what I make of it is that history is repeating itself. But the reason why the repression of reading and i believe that the repression of of reading leads to the repression of the imagination that's why we are so ardently uh fighting against this is that what we have to remember is that this appears again and again whenever there is uh the desire to seize control of power or mm-hmm. to gatekeep i
0: wonder what your response is to parents who might say uh i want certain books banned from a library because I don't want my kids exposed to a particular world worldview or to this particular idea.
1: Well, I hope that every parent is engaged in the reading life of, of their children. And I hope that every parent uh, is reading with their children and encouraging their young people to read widely and uh, to use their libraries. But no parent has the right to determine what another child uh, should read. And I think about that and I take that very seriously because I read very widely and I remember books that I loved. Mm -hmm. My mother always knew she saw that stack of books and she was really engaged in helping me uh, uh, sometimes pick out books I love to read to her. And I want to believe that she had the right to determine what my reading life looked like, but no one else could say, well, Tracy can't have access to books about Harriet Tubman because I was obsessed with Harriet Tubman. I was obsessed with Sojourner Truth. I was obsessed. And so I i think it would uh, really have been disturbing if there was someone who said that you can't... No, um, you can't read that. You can't read that. You can't look up to, to those, uh, you can't look up to those, you can't look up to those women. So I, I really want to make sure that every parent and every child has that right for agency and self-determination and to create and build their own reading life. Yeah.
0: And, and I want to go back to talking about this wonderful honor that you received here. Time Magazine named you one of its 100 most influential people of 2023, Tracy. And the write-up says that your life's work, quote, teaches each of us that the love of libraries and books can free us from hatred, unquote. Can you talk a little bit more about the power that books have to just expand a person's horizons? I mean, I just loved that anecdote from your childhood there, but tell yeah. us more.
1: Yeah, well, I'm a product of that. I mean, you can see... The Books and libraries really changed my life. And that's why I'm so excited about some of the work that I see happening here in, in Chicago. Um, beyond the American Library Association, it's wonderful to be in a city with such a strong uh, public library system uh, that is um, working as well to protect the right to read with the Chicago Book Sanctuary, the first of its kind, the Chicago Public Library. So I definitely want to shout them out. I also want to, to shout out Chicago Public Schools and my dream. That that every, every school uh, will have a school library. We, we Chicago Public Schools, we have 513 or so uh, schools, uh, and only 90 have libraries. And that's something that we want to repair because wow. I was a big user of my school library as well. So they're sort of a network. I used my school library when I was growing up, my public library when yeah, I was about I don't know life without one. Right, exactly. I mean, would we both be sitting here if we hadn't had access, right? True. And that went on for me. Um, I, you know, came from a high school in South Central LA I, where I had the aptitude to go to college, but I hadn't had a lot of the uh, preparation in terms of uh, scholarly preparation. And so I really lived in my academic library at the University of California. So the way that I think I have made this list is not necessarily a reflection on me. It's a reflection on libraries. Yeah. And it's a reflection on the people who work in libraries who took the time to uh, in children's services and and uh, in, in academic libraries to really make sure that I wasn't left out of the information loop. And I'm so thankful. Yeah. Well, briefly, before I let you go,
0: Tracy, for our listeners who might be concerned about this book banning trend,
1: what action do you suggest they can take? Well, there's a few things. One, I want to repeat again uniteagainstbookbands.org. Please come. There's a playbook. Uh, I definitely support your libraries. Insist on school libraries uh, because that's where library access and learning how to use libraries uh, begins. Use your public and your academic library. Uh, make sure that your lawmakers and the people that you elect are pro library. Insist on the right to read and do as we did in Pullman. I'm, I'm saying this even though I haven't been able to get to as many as I'd like, our neighborhood created a banned books reading club and it's brought our community together in ways that I didn't even expect. So there are things that we can do, but let's not be silent and, and let's not let censorship win. That's Tracy Hall, Executive Director of the American Library
0: Association. Thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you for having me. This episode of Reset was produced by Andrea Guthman and it was edited by Andrew Merriweather and Meha Ahmed. Stay up to date on all the big stories happening in our city and across the country by subscribing to our podcast. And when you do, be sure to leave us a rating and review so that more listeners can find our show. That's all for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Have a great weekend.